Come with me to Luke chapter 15. We're going to go looking for lost sheep. In addition to Luke 15 being opened, if you'll find this sheet of paper and you can download it or put it on your computer, find my lost sheep. That's what it means when you follow Jesus. You do what he does. He wants us to live on soul patrol. Uh, so grab this piece of paper, take a few notes, and listen to the Lord's instruction for you. And right now, you may want to call somebody, uh, share this service with them. This could change the way the rest of their life unfolds. Text somebody, say, dial in, be part of worship with the First Baptist family. You may have a deep prayer need, or maybe there's a decision that you need to make. That's why we have these numbers here on the screen. Call in, text in. Don't bear this burden by yourself, but allow us to get underneath it with you. Well, as we come to God's living word, we find here in Luke chapter 15 that the religious leaders were very upset with Jesus. You may ask why. Was Jesus neglecting the poor? Was he associating only with the rich? Was he skipping synagogue? Was he not giving his tithe? No, they were upset with him because he was associating with people who were called sinners, people that the religious leaders thought were less than them. Maybe they were tax gatherers. Maybe they didn't always observe the kosher and Sabbath rules. Some of them were prostitutes that were drawn to Jesus. It seems like Jesus drew sinners like a magnet draws metal. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. And so lost people were repelled by the religious folks, but they were propelled toward Jesus. He was like a magnet for them. Jesus said in Luke 19.10, and it is his rudder, I have come to seek and to save the lost. He said that after he met a guy named Zacchaeus. You remember the story. Zacchaeus was that wee little guy. He was uh, challenged when it comes to his height. Uh, there he was in the sycamore tree of Jericho. I stood right near a replica of that tree. And Jesus looks up and he sees Zacchaeus and he shocks all of the religious crowd when he says, Zacchaeus, I've selected you as my luncheon partner. Come down out of that tree because I need to talk to you. Now, he was a notorious sinner. He had betrayed the Jewish people by becoming a tax gatherer, and he was really good at it. He made a lot of money because being a tax gatherer in that day was a license to steal. So the people cried out. The religious people said, why in the world would you associate with a man like that? Because that's why Jesus came. So the religious people are crying out against Jesus here in Luke chapter 15. And Jesus gives them three stories that reveal the very heart of God. And the heart of God is so simple. Jesus loves lost people. He loves hurting people. He loves broken people. Friend, He loves you. He loves me. So let me ask you this question so the sermon has meaning. Have you ever gone astray? Have you ever gone astray? Has there ever been a time in your life when you love Jesus more than you do right now? Has there been a season in your life where you were hungry for worship and you couldn't get enough of God's Word and you were always praying and then you started to cool off, you began to drift? May I lovingly remind you it's not God who has moved, it's you. If you've gone astray, I've got good news for you today. I've got a buddy who came my 
way not, not too long ago, probably about a year ago, and showed up here in Montgomery, started coming to our church. He was an impressive person, and one day he said, could I talk to you? You seem to be an open-hearted person, and maybe not judgmental. Maybe I could sit down and have a conversation with you, and he began to tell me about his past, and he had had a lot of difficulties in his growing up. There had been a lot of dysfunction, and a lot of that dysfunction had grafted over into his soul, spirit, and relationships. And this guy had drifted so far away from the Lord. And here's how he put it. I'll never forget it. He looked deep into my eyes and he said, Jay, I've got so much mud on my soul. I've got to wash it off because it's suffocating me. Perhaps you can relate to that. Uh, we ended up going into that baptistry. And uh, there... This beautiful brother in Christ, when he came up above those waters, it was as if he had been cleansed, that his soul was cleansed metaphorically. Well, maybe that's what you need today. If you've gone astray, here's the great good news. Jesus loves lost people, broken people, hurting people. He loves you. Well, let me prove it. Let's go here to Luke 15, three stories about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. Well, let's begin here in verse 1. We'll run to verse 7. Now, as the tax gatherers and the sinners were coming near Jesus to listen to Him, both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners. He eats with them. And He told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Well, for the next few moments, let's study together the remarkable, amazing love of God. Let's begin with number one. Make this note. God's love is personal. God's love is personal. Uh, we, we see that reflected in the fact that Jesus, who also describes himself as a good shepherd in John 10, verse 11, he is suggesting that all shepherds know their sheep individually. Now, I saw that demonstrated when I was a boy. When I was growing up, my father had a lot of sheep and goats and cattle. And now the sheep and goats, to me, look identical. Have you ever looked into the face of a little sheep? <laughs> I've seen a lot of them. I've seen a lot of goats, and i got to admit, uh, you can differentiate sizes, but it's hard to look at their face and see them individualistically. But it was amazing. My dad could do that. Uh, he had registered Charlie cows, and they were all white. They all looked alike. He had about 200 of them. And, I, and it seemed to me, I don't want to stretch this story too far, but it seemed to me that my dad could look at one of those cows. He could tell you when he purchased it, how much he gave for it, how many calves that cow had had, what special needs and problems she had. He knew his livestock individually. And friend, here's the great point. 
That's how God knows you. God knows your name. He knows your need. Over 7 billion people inhabit planet Earth, and yet God knows your fingerprints. He knows how many hair are on your head, according to Luke 12. He knows when a sparrow falls to the ground. Let me show you a scripture. It'll encourage you in Psalm 139. The scripture declares, you have searched me, Lord. You know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. In other words, you have no secrets from God. He knows everything there is to know about you. When you get up, when you lie down, He knows the thoughts of your head and heart. And He loves you anyway. That's the great good news. You may protest, well, Jay, I, I don't feel like I'm worthy of that. I, I don't feel very lovable. I heard about a lady one day. She was standing in front of the mirror, and she was standing there. Her husband was in the lazy boy chair. She looked in the mirror, and she said, Oh, when I look in this mirror, it makes me feel that I look fat and wrinkled and gray. She looked at her husband and said, would you just tell me something good about me? He said, you got really good eyes. Your vision is a-okay. <laughs> Time out. Uh, people can pile on. And if you're not feeling lovable, when you look into the mirror of the cross, do you know what you find out? That God loves you more than you can imagine. He loved you an entire cross full. So mark it down. God loves you in a personal and individual way. He knows you by name. He knows your need. Number two, here's the next feature. God's love is pursuing. It's personal. It is pursuing. Look at verse 4. And he just simply says, logically, he says, if you have lost a sheep, even if you have a hundred, you are going to go out and pursue that sheep. Now, let me give you a, a lesson in the sheep 101. Sheep are prone to wonder. They do not possess great senses. They don't have keen eyesight like an eagle. They can't run fast. They tend to nibble in the pasture and just keep following their noses. And next thing you know, they can easily wander off. Matter of fact, uh, sheep are even noted as dumb. Just think about it. Have you ever seen a circus act featuring sheep, like trained sheep over at the fair? Probably not. They're not your brightest knife our brightest bulb in the animal drawer there, so to speak. Uh, so sheep are dumb. They have bad sense of direction, bad eyes, and they can wander off. Now, that means the shepherd, he pursues the sheep. He cared about that sheep because he knew that sheep was in danger because the sheep is on everything's menu. Every predator would love to have lamb chops for supper. So here he decides to pursue the sheep. Let, let me tell you a fun story. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about my in-laws, and particularly because my mother-in-law stepped into heaven a few days ago, and it was my privilege to have her funeral, and we've been reminiscing over family stories. The Simmons family in the mid-60s lived right here in Montgomery, Alabama, and they were wise enough to join First Baptist Church. They plugged in, and uh, my father-in-law even became chairman of the deacons. Well, let me show you a picture of him during that season. That is Sam Simmons in about 1968 and sweet Miss Peggy Simmons. Together, they had six children. 
Now, their Saturday pattern, because Sam worked for IBM and he traveled a lot, they would go and have a Saturday adventure here in Montgomery. In those days, there was something called Normandale Mall. And uh, they had gone over to Normandale Mall, and their cute little son, uh, this is their fifth child, Ken, he had gotten some ice cream, and they'd all pile back in the station wagon. They were getting ready to head to the Southern Boulevard and go points east and have some fun together. And as they were riding down Southern Boulevard, when you got eight people in the car, it's easy, I guess, to lose one. <laughs> Sam looked in the rearview mirror, and he started counting heads, and there was one missing. It was Ken. That little six-year-old Ken was not to be found. Sam quickly pulled over. He recounted. He figured Ken is all by himself at Normandale Mall. He screeches the tires. He goes screaming back over there. And do you know where he found Ken? Back in those days, they had these little horses. You could put a nickel in and you could ride them outside of a department store. And there was a fella who was with the Kiwanis Club selling charcoal, and he decided to watch out for Ken and feed nickels into this horse, a mechanical horse, until the Simmons returned to rescue him. As the story goes, Sam bought his entire supply of charcoal. <laughs> he was glad to see his son because he had that loving, pursuing heart of a father who had rescued his son. Let me show you a scripture. It's Isaiah 53, verse 6. Isaiah 53 is known as the gospel of the Old Testament. It says in Isaiah 53, verse 6, it's a description of me. It's a description of you. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid upon him, our Lord Jesus, on that cross, the iniquity, the sin of us all. You see, friends, like sheep, we have a propensity to wonder. And yet Jesus, the good shepherd, he comes and he looks for you. So let me ask you again, have you wandered away? Has there been a time in your life when you felt closer to the Lord, where you were more in love with him, where the wonder of worship enthralled, entranced, and captivated you, but somehow the sheen and gleam of being in God's house with God's people, it's worn off. Don't settle for that. Listen to what God's Word says in Revelation chapter 2 to that wayward church at Ephesus. You've left your first love, but remember where you've come from. Repent, turn around, and go back. God will welcome you with open arms because He loves you, and He is pursuing you. Now, friend, if you're a veteran Christian, I'll tell you what you ought to do. You ought to join the Lord Jesus in seeking lost sheep. You ought to live on soul patrol, and when you encounter people that have wandered away, go get them. Do you remember some people that are in your orbit of influence, and they used to come to church, they used to talk about the Lord, but now something's happened? Maybe they had a tragedy or a loss in their life, or maybe they got successful, or maybe they tasted defeat, and they started to pull away from the Lord. Well, may I deputize you as a good shepherd? Would you go get that lost sheep? Don't watch them wander farther and farther away into vulnerable, dangerous territory. Go get them. You can do it. That is your assignment. Join Jesus, the good shepherd, and go bring those beaten up, beleaguered, 
wandering sheep home. Let's look at number three. God's love is patient. God's love is patient. Look at verse five. And when he found it, he beat it within an inch of his life. No, it doesn't say that. <laughs> and when he found it, what did he do to, to that little wandering lamb? Maybe Ronnie the rebel ram, you would call him. He lays him on his shoulders with a sense of joy. That's a beautiful picture. God's love is patient. i got to confess, uh, if I would have been out trekking through the thorns and maybe having to stomp through the deserts and kick away snakes trying to find that wandering sheep. I'd be muttering under my breath and maybe kind of walking a little mad. When I found that sheep, I would be maybe glad, but maybe a little mad. Not the Lord. Sometimes people told me, Jay, I think I've disappointed God. I think he's rejected me. May I lovingly say to you that God's mercy is greater than your mistakes. Only the devil would implant in your heart the seed of that lie that makes you feel unworthy, less than, or rejected. You see, God's love is patient, and he is ever tenderly calling you back to himself. Let me tell you just one more Peggy Simmons story. I've been thinking so much about my mother in love, and uh, th this is a sweet story about Peggy and her grandkids. Peggy and Sam have been blessed with 15 grandchildren, and these, this is quite a picture here, one of the uh, last uh, full group shots with Sam and Peggy in the very middle. She's in the light blue, and there's Jason and Catherine, and they, had, they have these six kids, and they've multiplied to 15 grandkids, and now 11 great-grandchildren. It's quite a crew of Simmons. And uh, I was preparing for Peggy's funeral service, and we did a Zoom call, and I asked all the grandkids, when you think of your muggy, they called her muggy, what comes to your mind? And no, there were a parade of fabulous memories because she's lived a Proverbs 31 life of honoring the Lord Jesus and always doing what is right. She was a person of love, purity, and serving, but she also evidenced the fruits of the Spirit. So one of her grandchildren, Shannon from Wisconsin, she told the greatest story. She said, well, I think that Muggy, she defined patience, and patience was her superpower. <laughs> patience was her superpower. And she told this story. She said that one time they were playing in the bedroom, and whenever all the grandkids would come, they would inhabit Peggy's bedroom. They would take it over. They would just pile in together like kittens and just catch up with each other. It was so cute. Well, one day, Shannon is there, and she's trying to do some sort of back handstand, and she stomps her heel into the drywall and just pokes a hole perfectly through it. The room goes silent. They know that Peggy's going to have a hissy fit and have their hide. Instead, Peggy walks in, and she sees that hole and mortified Shannon, and she just starts to cackle and laugh. Shannon said, if that's not enough, on the same visit, they were trying to make one of their Disney movies. My girls would make movies with their cousins. They would have the biggest time. Well, they needed to move the car out of the garage, and Shannon didn't really know how to drive, and instead of putting it in reverse, she put it in forward, and she rammed into the garage drywall. <laughs> so, one trip, she knocks a hole in the garage, she knocks a hole in the bedroom drywall. How would you respond to that, Granny? Well, 
uh, Peggy, she comes out to the garage and she just burst into laughter because her kids were more important to her than drywall. Is patience your superpower or is that your Achilles heel? You see, God's love, friends, is patient, it's kind, it is gentle and tender. Can't you just see the shepherd finding that little rebel, Ronnie Ram? And uh, I love this little Hollywood figure. I got it in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, of course, is where David the shepherd grew up. And it depicts a shepherd with a staff and a little lamb slung gently upon his shoulders. He's bringing him home. And I hope you see that picture. That's a picture of what the Lord Jesus wants to do for you if you've wandered away, if you've gone astray, if you feel less than, hurt, and broken. Well, let me show you one last feature of God's love. It's very important that you understand that God's love is party-creating. Did you see it in verse 6 and 7? Jesus said, you're going to rejoice when you find that lost sheep because you fully expected it to be devoured by a predator or something bad to happen. But when you bring that sheep home, you're going to throw a party. You're going to tell everybody about it. As a matter of fact, I'd put it like this. Do you know what makes heaven rejoice? It's when lost sheep come home. It's when sinners are found. You see, heaven doesn't rejoice over an SEC championship. Heaven doesn't rejoice over a new building, a new ministry. Heaven rejoices over sinners being found. Man by the name of Larry Bryant put it like this, when angels rejoice. When the Model T first hit the street, it didn't bring all heaven to its feet. And when the first computer was born, they didn't blow Gabriel's horn. Now, heaven doesn't strike up a band for any old occasion at hand. It's got to be a special thing to make those angels smile and sing. There's only one thing we're sure about that can make those angels jump and shout. It's when a sinner makes the Lord his choice. That is when the angels rejoice. We uh, see a lot of people come to the Lord here at First Baptist because we accept everybody. You're not beyond the reach of God's love. And we love you too. That's why it's our privilege to baptize people. I've baptized a lot of people. And I'm just going to show you some people that I've been baptizing in the last few months. People of every shape, size, color. It doesn't make any difference. They're all God's sheep. And they've all come home. What about you? Have you taken that step of coming home? Oh, I can remember when these people were baptized. This place erupted in applause because we're reflecting what the angels do when people come to Jesus. We rejoice. Well, here's the last thought, and it's the completing thought. It's the life application. It's the bottom line. Join Jesus in seeking stray sheep. That's your assignment. Be on soul patrol. Join Jesus in seeking stray sheep. It's interesting, my buddy Lee Corson has a son named Drew who works with him out at his flooring place, Carol's Carpets. And I was talking to Drew about this great loss. He loved his daddy so much. And he said that his father in the weekly sales meeting, he was always talking about, he was always talking about being ready. 
and he would give, especially if he had been at church on Sundays, he'd said he'd a lot of times give a recap of my sermon or if he was reading some passage in the scripture, especially he loved the book of Revelation. His theme song was be ready and help other people be ready. Friends, that is our holy privilege to live on soul patrol, to find that person who is seeking, who is wounded, who feels less than, who feels hurt and broken. They feel unworthy and they desperately need Jesus. It's my privilege, it's your privilege to point people toward the Lord. And that's what I'm trying to do right now. It could be that you're listening to me and the deep need of your life is to connect your lostness to the salvation, to the love, to the grace and forgiveness of Jesus. Right now, I'm on soul patrol. And if you're ready to follow the Lord Jesus, or, or maybe your soul has been caked in mud, you need to start following Jesus again or get connected to the body of Christ, this is your chance. Let me help you. You may be saying, Pastor Jay, uh, wait, wait a minute. Uh, you know, I, I probably need to do that, but maybe it's embarrassing. What would other people think? Here's a better question. What does Jesus think? He's the one who loves you so much that he died on a cross for you. And he invites you to follow him. And I want to urge you to do that right now. Let me help you. I want you to pray this simple sinner's prayer. And if you're ready to do that, I want to ask that you open your heart and pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, say, Dear Father, I admit I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sin and make me your child. I promise to follow you all the way. 